And we are live and we are back. Let's go. I'm Corey, your host, one half of the Corden Full Effect podcast. And I'm back like I never left with another installment of Wealth Wednesdays here on the Corden Full Effect podcast. We discuss health and wealth, finances and fitness and everything in between. And we want to make sure you save more and say less and keep making better your best. Yes, yes. However, my coach Jordan, who is back from paternity leave, when he went on paternity leave, I started these Wealth Wednesdays where we get straight to the finance information no filler in between and i know y'all see the topic of the video today we're gonna talk about what do we always talk about necessities that payments investments lifestyle getting on a budget savings and debt we're about was it today is what april be april 12th when i release this we're about you know we're a little over um a third of way through the year so let's get a recap of some you know how people are handling their finances this article is, I think, from February this year. Like I said, I'm trying to get through some of the older articles that I have. Still relevant, right? People having not enough savings, too much debt. It's all the same thing. But it's always good just to get a pulse check to see when the new year starts, what the numbers are for the previous year, which my guess is this article is going to be um, about. But before we get into it, make sure you hit that like button, share and subscribe. Shout out to the YouTube algorithm. Make sure you leave those rating reviews on those podcast platforms as well. My information, as well as Jordan's information, is in the show notes on YouTube. But you can follow me at sideline underscore Corey. You can follow Jordan at Stop Stalling J, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok for both of us. Then Jordan's business page is Finally Fit 06 on Instagram, Finally Fit on Facebook. Then his website is finallyfit.live. I believe Jordan is still doing the Tuesday and Thursday classes. I need to talk to him again and figure out what he's actually doing. I just know for a fact he's doing Monday and Wednesday because that's the class I'm in. But 5.30 a.m. on Monday and Wednesday for more intermediate intermediate to advanced. But even if you're a beginner, you can hop in that class, even though it's going it's going, it's going whoop your ass. But um, you can uh, uh, check uh, check out his website again, like I said, finallyfit.live for all his information for when he offers virtual training sessions. All right, because you guys, hey, health is wealth. The most important thing is, is your health because all this money is useless if you're dead. All right. But again, like I said, we get straight to the finance information over here. But again, entertain purposes only. Don't sue me. Sue your mama. Neither Jordan nor myself are finance or fitness professionals. You need to do all your own research and seek a professional if you have any questions or concerns. All right. Now, as I get into it, I'm going to share the screen. And we're going, we going back to CNBC, y'all. I don't know when the. I don't know when the last time is I did a CNBC article, but we're going to go we're back to the OG CNBC on this one. There we go. See, I, I think my screen, my zoom in is set up for CNBC. 150% is just for them. But all right, here we go. As emergency savings drop and credit card debt rises, an ugly stew is brewing. Oh, my goodness. This is from February 24th of this year. This is by, again, first time listening. The, the authors of these articles always give me hell. But this is by Lori. Konish. Konish? Konish? See the Konish or Konish? I don't know. All right. Lori says as high inflation continues and interest rates go up, many people are seeing their savings dwindle and credit card balances increase. Yes. Oh, my goodness. As the debt becomes more expensive, delinquencies, yeah, maybe poised and increase. Okay. And here's, all right, here's what to do before you get overwhelmed by your debts. I'm going to be very clear. If you if your savings is already low slash you're tapping into your savings to avoid using your credit card slash your credit card balances is rising in short this first point, 
in combination with inflation, you, you're probably already overwhelmed by your debt. All right. One way to not be overwhelmed, overwhelmed by your debt is not to not to have any debt or at least just have the mortgage payment. Right. And do what you can to get about that mortgage as well. Shout out to the 40 year mortgages. I was thinking about doing that right now, but I'm like, uh, let me get more caught up on stuff. But I am going to do something on the 40 year mortgages, that information that just got released. It sort of got re-released. There was already talk about um, there being an update on the 40 year mortgages, but it finally dropped, I believe, yesterday, the day before about the 40 year mortgages. So I am going to touch on that. But here we go. High inflation, right, is leading to reduced savings. Always again, again, first time listening, inflation. Inflation occurs every year. I believe, I can't believe how many years I look back. It might have been 30 or 40 years, but inflation has only gone down one time in like the last 30 or 40 years, maybe ever since they've been calculating it. Regardless, that year was, I believe, 2009, but you know, right? 2007, 2008, 2009, the housing market crashing, uh, crashing crisis, but it was 2009. I believe that was the only year that inflation went down. So in short, prices decreased. And when I say prices, the things they use to measure inflation, gas, bread, I believe it is. I, I don't know everything in there. It's not everything isn't measured in inflation as far as the price, but it's mainly gen the general necessities. But only 2009. So inflation, like I said, is, is occurring every year. The prices of stuff is going up, usually in that 2 to 4% range. And then high inflation is when we're getting above that 4%. Again, like I said, I believe last year we were in the eight to nine percent range. Um, all right, it's leading to right. High inflation is leading to reduced savings. That's not true. High inflation may be leading to reduced margin in your budget on a monthly basis, but it should not be leading to reduced savings. But it's saying leading to reduced savings and higher credit card debt. I'll go with higher credit card debt because a lot of people running up the, the debt on their credit card. And thus, by definition, if prices go up, then their credit card debt's going to go up. But it should not be leading to reduced savings. You should not be using your savings except for what it's saved for. So whether inflation is going up or down, whatever it is, if you use your savings for what it's intended for, then, I mean, that, that, that's the purpose of it. All right. And there are some signs households may be reaching and tipping a tipping point under increased financial pressures. All right, again, uh, necessities, debt payments, stress, anxiety, anxiety, depression, depression, and self-termination, self-deletion. All right, that's that tipping point right there, financial stress or pressures, right? Okay, a new survey from Bankrate. All right, are we gonna go over the Bankrate survey on this? The irony, okay, 39%, right? Individual survey in January said that their emergency savings are less than they were. Oh no, am I doing the same article twice? Maybe I should read these things at a time. I already did the Bankrate article. All right. Meanwhile, 10% still have no cash set aside. Let me see if this is the same bank rate article I already did. I think it is. Sort of. Yeah, I think it is. The article already did. All right. We're going to go over it again. I told you I was important to get this information. All right. Meanwhile, 10% still have no cash set aside. The same findings right in last year's survey. Okay. The results can come as a total. Right, household debt right increased by 2.4% to six. Jesus Christ. Total household debt is almost $17 trillion as of fourth quarter of last year. And that's from the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. My goodness. $17 trillion is so much. Shout out to the shout out to the student loans making up almost five percent. Almost five percent of that. Over five percent. Student loans like 1.7, 1.8. Is that almost 10%? Oh, my goodness. Right, yeah, it's about 1.7, I believe, right? Yeah, 16.9. 16. 
Oh my goodness. Not student loans making up 10% of the household debt in the United States. I guess that makes sense because I think it's the second highest behind or third highest behind mortgages and car loans and student loans. But still, my goodness, that just seems like insane. All right. For all debt types, the share of current debt that became delinquent where payments have not been made under the agreed terms also increased in the fourth quarter. Yeah, technically you're delinquent as soon as you miss that payment. I mean, obviously, again, like it says, the terms, but, you know, you can't be missing payments. Even if you're a day late, your account will light up red. I've seen it multiple times. If you're a day late, it's going to light up red. Now, if you got automatic payments and your payment day does fall on a holiday and you, you quote unquote made a late payment, it adds an account because you have the automatic payment set up and they'll uh, credit you for the date of your automatic payment date, even though your account doesn't truly reflect it yet. So you don't have to worry about fees in that situation. All right, Nugly Stew is brewing as people buckle up under other pressure of right inflation. And they don't have lots of savings, noted Bruce McClary. Senior Vice President of the National Foundation for Credit Housing. Okay, hopefully this is a little bit different article. I think it is. I think it's use that bank rate uh, thing to start out. Total household debt. Okay, it's definitely different. In the U.S., $1.3 trillion during 20, or an increase during 2022. All right, almost $17 trillion. Here we go. Like I said, auto loans is, uh, okay, good. For those of you watching on YouTube, you can see. Okay, home equity line of credit. My goodness. $340 billion. Other, what is other? 410 billion. Credit card, 770 billion. Auto loans, 1.4 trillion. Student loans, 1.5 trillion. No way. Student loans are above car loans? No way. And I, I'm, I'm Googling it again. It's total, total car debt. Oh my goodness. It is less, it looks like. Oh my goodness. So student loans is a second. And then obviously mortgage debt, if you didn't know, is going to be the highest at 9.7. My goodness. My goodness. I don't know if this other is. It's probably medical debt, personal loans, all, all everything that's on this list that is an auto loan, home equity, or student loan or mortgage or credit card. But my goodness, student loans. Always remember, you can't bankrupt student loans. You, the student loans can't, can't, can't be involved in a bankruptcy. And the one thing I saw, too, which I'm going to do an article about is um, – how much people are actually getting forgiven in bankruptcies. And it is generally, or not generally, on average, it's less than how much people have in student loan debt. So no wonder people want their student loan debt forgiven because when people file bankruptcies, what they file bankruptcy on is less than what people owe on average in student loans. My goodness. My goodness. All right. Some people do believe, though, if you want your student loans forgiven, then how about uh, you have to lose your degree, right? And, and from a bankruptcy standpoint, right? Because in bankruptcy, when you go through bankruptcy, if you actually, you know, bankrupt your house or your car and you no longer actually going to make payments on it through the bankruptcy, then you actually lose the house or the car. So if you want your student loans, you know, bankrupted, then what if you lose your degree? And now anything that came along with it or in the future, right, you can't actually you can't use it. I get another degree that you actually pay for. Oh, my goodness. Those individuals and families may turn to open lines of credit. Don't do this to help fill the gaps in their budgets. Right. OK, like to pay for groceries or gas, for example, as interest rates rise, it has become harder to pay off those debt balances they're carrying, according to McClary. That's only on debts that are uh, not fixed, right, variable, which is likely credit cards, which is what this is talking about. But again, if your mortgage is fixed, if your if your car loan is fixed, your personal loan, any if it's a fixed rate, then what interest rates are doing does not matter. Always remember that. It's the combination of everything that is starting to push people over the edge, he said. All right, here we go. 
Wow. All right, here, look at this video heading. New NY Fed household debt see largest increase in 20 years. All right, more than a third, 36%, 36% of the 1,032 respondents are in a bank rate survey said that their credit card debt is higher than their emergency savings. What? A record high over the 12 years the poll has been conducted. Shout! I gotta get, I gotta get my bookshelf set up. Shout out so Dave can just be in the back the entire time. Shout out to Dave Ramsey and his plan. If you have, this is where it gets confusing. Most people do not earn more interest, you know, on their credit, uh, in their investments or in their bank account than what they're paying in interest from their credit card. That's why usually anyone's talking about paying off debt. They're usually gonna tell you to aggressively pay off your credit card. Just due to the money you're going to make back due to the interest, you're getting charged 20, around 20% or plus, right? They're saying interest rates are going up, and especially it probably is if it's variable. You definitely are not making that. You're going to make more money by paying off at least your credit card. And if you got more in credit card debt than in savings, sheesh, I guess it's most people's case though, right? Still slightly more than half, right? 51% of respondents said they have more emergency savings than credit card debt. So, okay, it's 50-50, which isn't bad. Hmm. Interesting because the, normally the number is, and I believe it might be from bank rate as well, but it's six forty percent of people. Okay, don't have four hundred dollars. Okay, maybe maybe that is in line. May, I can't remember if it's forty percent or sixty percent. You know, it's either or. But okay, that's sort of in line with some other numbers about how much people have in general, like they can't afford a four hundred dollar emergency in cash they have to put on a credit card or a thousand dollar. I should remember these things, right? But it's, it's so many. So many numbers in my head. All right, the remaining 13% have no credit card debt nor any emergency savings. There are 13% of people who have no credit card debt, great, but also no savings. My goodness. Younger workers are more financially fragile. Yes, we discussed this. Was it a bank rate article? I can't remember which article. Where, yes, peop, the younger you are, makes sense, the worse you are in a financial situation because you haven't been working as long. You should, by definition, have less assets, less income because you've been earning for the least amount of time. Younger generations are more likely to feel financial strain, according to Mark Hamrick, senior economic analyst at Bankrate. Okay. Broadly speaking, right, I think this was the Bankrate article, right? Yeah. Younger workers are more financially fragile, particularly if they are new to the workforce. Why wouldn't they be? I mean, I, I don't need to be a senior economic analyst to say that. They, they're new to the workforce. They haven't been working. Not to mention they're coming out with all that damn student loan debt. Bankrate survey found 45% of millennials, right? 45% of Gen Xers, that same number. 38% of Gen Zers have more credit card debt than money in savings. Here's the issue. Most people don't have any money in savings at all. So it's not hard to reach that, even though these numbers are all below 50%, but it's still not that hard. In comparison, just 25% of baby boomers said the same. Always remember for Gen, uh, Gen Z, everyone in Gen Z isn't 18 yet. So Gen Z is like 97 to 2015, something crazy like that. So we still got a while for everyone in Gen Z. Um, is a legal adult. All right, if we have one mantra, it is to pay. One mantra, it is it pays to shop around for the best rate. The best rate for what? Mark Hamrick, senior economic analyst at Bankrate. Fair use, don't sue us. Don't sue me to see your mama. Oh, what do you mean the best interest rate? Why are you shopping around? I don't even want to continue. What are you shopping around for interest rates for? What, what are you trying to look up? What are you trying to get into debt to? Someone, again, I keep saying this. Someone has to explain to me why people with no money should be able to go into debt. It, you're, aren't you supposed 
aren't supposed to prove that you have some type of financial stability, some type of consistent income to at least make the, you know, to make the payments. But if you don't have any money slash financial stability, why are we going to tell you you get debt? I know the banks want to make the money, right? I got that. But just like for the people who aren't banks, which is most people, why, why are you pro that? Hey, man, you struggling financially? Go get you some debt, right? That's what people will usually say. You're struggling financially. Don't do what you can to increase your skill set, to increase your income. Uh, do what you can to get a higher credit score so you can go into debt, even though usually the reason your credit score is low is because you're bad with debt. That's the part that they won't tell you. If we have one monitor, okay, yeah, it pays. All right, boom. All right, here we go. Credit counseling requests rise. As do stress levels. All right, stress, anxiety, anxiety, depression. All right, credit counseling. My goodness, that's a scam. You don't need any credit counseling. You just need to get on a budget and admit how much money you make and stop spending more money than what you make. It's not that hard. So, some And look, shout out to America that this is a business. I have no knock on people who do this as a business. But for the people partaking in this as far as customers, look, man, like credit repair, anything, credit repair businesses or people, that should literally be illegal illegal credit repair is one of the biggest scams i've ever heard if you want to repair your credit just pay off your debt done i've saw i've solved all your issues my goodness i hate when people say yeah i'm working credit repair credit repair for what i've i've helped all of my clients repair their credit they just paid off their debt utilization goes down don't miss any payments done it's, it's that simple for those who want to you know make use of the credit score all right new york feds Quarterly household debt and credit report found young borrowers are showing signs of financial stress and are and are beginning to miss some credit and auto loan payments. My goodness, I remember and means both. If they're a young borrower, my guess is this is definitely under thirty. I mean, I turned thirty this year, but my guess is this is more so under twenty-five. This is recent college graduates for young borrowers because you wouldn't. I don't think you consider thirty-year-olds young. Are we, you know, are we the part of the younger borrowers? But regardless, though, why do you have credit card and auto loan payments? This is just terrible. It's like it's like when I understand from an economic standpoint, shout out to the debt that is running things. But my goodness, when are we going to have this narrative to educate the youth? Now, I have that narrative, but it's like, my goodness. When we hear young borrowers are struggling from financial stress, and then we complain about everyone, all these on all of this anxiety or antidepressant medicine, it's like because they have all this financial stress. And it's not really that they have financial stress, it's that they're financially illiterate, which is by definition going to lead to stress. Like they don't know anything about money and they have to be involved in it. Like you're not, you're not stressed about not knowing a language you're not fluid in. Like you're not, if you're not fluid in French, you don't worry about not knowing French. But imagine if everything in America just with the signs are no longer in English, they were all in, in French. You would be very stressed because you wouldn't, you don't understand it. You're literally illiterate when it comes to being able to speak slash read French. So imagine when it comes to finances, you're financially illiterate, and your entire life, every day involves finances. A lot of people grow up when they say one of the classes they hate the most is math. It's like you hate math slash you're not good at it from a basic standpoint, algebra and below. God dang, you can't add and subtract, which is a budget, and then you don't understand finances in general. Whew. And then what you choose to consume on the internet isn't stuff to help you become more financially literate. All right, the risk of delinquencies may continue based on the economy. Okay, true, cool. We could have told you that. All right, uh, just having a job doesn't solve the problem. You're right. You need to get on a budget and make use of your income. In recent months, the number of requests for credit counseling sessions has increased, according to McClary. 
the number of people who receive a recommendation to start a debt management plan after completing the counseling session is also up, he noted. Why would you? If you're some of these statements, I like and I, I'm not a journalist, right, nor am I a senior econo economist. But like, what what is the point of this sentence? This paragraph, should I say? In recent months, the number of requests for credit card counseling sessions has increased. Okay, cool. I have no issue with that one. But then when it says the number of people who receive a recommendation to start a debt management plan after completing a counseling session is also up, he noted. If you need credit card counseling, you definitely need it. Do you need to get on a debt management plan? Why are you in credit card counseling if you're if you're not struggling with the debt management? The redundancy sometimes. Duh. I What? Shouldn't shouldn't it be one? I put it like this: If you got to pay double, if you got to pay extra money, you got to pay for the credit card counseling. This might be a free program, but if you have to pay for credit card counseling, and then you also have to pay to get on this debt management plan, that's getting duped. I would just put you on a debt management plan, which by definition is going to help you with your credit card usage. Y'all need to reach out to me if you're doing this type of BS. Fifty dollars for one one-hour session a month. I'll, I'll I'll get you. I'll get you straight on the on the free. I give you. Know, I give everyone a free consultation. I will get you straight on the free consultation in an hour. I've got good enough to an hour. I don't even need sixty minutes as long as you just answer my questions truthfully. My goodness. All right. A greater share of accounts are in serious delinquency compared to twelve months ago. Now, serious delinquency, like I, that's going to be ninety days. So technically, you know, if you're technically, you know one day late, right? You're going to be delinquent, but 90 days or more, that's when they're going to send that repo truck out to come get their wheels. I remember you got to lean on your cars. It's not your car. It's the bank or the credit union's car. You're 90 days late. They trying to come get that car. They putting the note on your account. When we pull it up, they flagging it, letting us know denied services or just a big old note or a memo on your account, letting us know, Hey, if this person is here and you know, it's a, I'll use my car, blue Honda Accord, and you see it outside. Go ahead and give us a call in the back office. Because collections are ready to collect or repo. They're ready to take that vehicle. I've never been in a situation where I had to call. Every time that happened, you know, smartly in this sense, right? The people never drove the vehicle <laughs> to their credit union or to the bank. But, you know, this, this is when they start taking stuff. More so on cars. Mortgages, especially if you got an FHA. They they're not they're not trying to they're not trying to repo regardless or foreclose from a house standpoint. But within that situation, you know, they will do it. All right. So this is going to compare quarter four, 2022 to quarter four, 2021. So everything is up. Looks like. Let me read this again. Greater share of accounts are in serious delinquency. All right. Compa it's comparing. OK. Yeah. So one percent of accounts in total are in delinquency compared to 0.7 percent. So compared to 70 percent of one percent. In 2021, so mortgages at 0.6%, they were at 0.3. Home equities were at 0.5, they were at 0.3. These are these are of one percent, by the way. Student loans, they're down. <laughs> they're at one percent now. They were previously at 1.1%, which makes sense in the forbearance. So it makes sense that, and they've been reworking to get more people out of the forbearance. I'm not, excuse, not the out of forbearance, out of delinquency, um, but they're in forbearance now. So it makes sense that would be going down instead of up, uh, since people. Uh, aren't getting penalized for not making any payments. Um, then we got auto loans. Oh, Jesus. At 2.2%. They were originally at 1.6%. Credit cards at 4%, originally at 3.2%, and then others at 4%, originally at 2.9%. My goodness. 2% is a lot. I mean, this is, a, this is a lot of people being 90 days late. 
90 days. I would say these numbers were all transactions I did. This is about, I can't remember how anybody who was late on their mortgage, especially the the demographic where I worked at. Most most of those people were likely not going to be late on their mortgage because they needed, they could, couldn't afford to be to keep their job. But credit cards, yeah. And car loans, most of that, I mean, my goodness. All right, we're starting to see that uptick in volume. McClary said that alone tells me that a number of consumer credit delinquencies is likely going up. If you think you're at risk for falling behind on your bills, do not wait to take action, McClary advised. When people are facing delinquencies, they often skip the first step, which is to simply reach out and talk to their creditor. He said, yes, talk out, reach out to the bank, your credit union or whoever it is who has this debt. I told you all this. If you end up losing your job, do not call your spouse first. Call the ledger company, call the gas company, call the water company, call your bank. Let them know immediately. And hopefully you're on a budget and you can just go in there to the bank, credit union, financial institution, and break down what your current situation is. And they will, as long as you haven't been letting your on your payments before. So hopefully your account's in good standing and you've never had an issue. So you can't always be missing payments here and there. And then you come on financially hard times or financial hardship. And then you want your financial institution or, you know, the electric company to work with you. Now, nah, you got to have always been in good standing, right, to have the most equity to hope, you know, they work with you in this case. And then something happens and then they'll work on setting up a payment plan. Again, like I said, I made payments on many of accounts where we get all these flags popping up because the person is technically, you know, delinquent in this case. They're not they're more than 90 days in this case. They're super delinquent. They're super sand delinquent. They are 180 days, something crazy, but they're on some type of payment plan. They work with collections. And as long as they make, you know, usually it can be up to like, I've seen stuff where, you know, they just got to make like a $50 payment, you know, something like a quarter of what their actual minimum payment is. And as long as they make that, their entire account's in good standing. That's the power of collections. That's back office for you. Shout out to the back end and code. That's the power of back office. But again, you got to do that before you actually, your loan gets delinquent, right? Because, you know, if you just made your, you know, it's April. So you just made your your March payment. So you got, you know, payment due. And, um, let's say you just made your April payment on the first, right? Your car payment. Now you got a payment due on May 1st, right? And let's say you end up losing your job on the 15th. Well, your, your, your account's still in good standing because you haven't been behind on any of your payments. Just let them know. And they are, I wouldn't say nine times out of 10, but a high percentage chance they're going to work with you. That's why I also said, go into your local financial institution every now and then, not even every month, just every now and then though, so you can start building a rapport and a relationship with the people who work there so you have some equity in these situations. A lot of times, these decisions to um, reduce your minimum, when I say reduce your minimum payment, but um, they'll accept a lower minimum payment. A lot of times, that's that's not built, there's no like usually you know laws or regulations around that. That's going to get based on the person that you get that day and who may even from a back office standpoint, who actually makes that decision. And then obviously the person that you're dealing with, the CSR at a bank customer service representative or the MSR member service rep, member service representative at a credit union, who's actually going to speak up on your behalf if it's not going the way you want it to go. Okay. So that's why I said, you got it. Look, don't, don't be a jerk in the financial institution because they will book you. They can just say, no, yeah, you got to make this minimum payment. Or you could be nice, respectful to people, build some type of rapport, and then if, if you do come on financially hard times, at least hopefully you have some equity from a relationship standpoint. First thing I recommend is build a team, right? You have some equity from a relationship standpoint and they can work with you on adjusting your balance. Obviously, when it comes to a creditor and you just got to make a phone call, hey, kind of is what it is there. All right. And then renegotiating the terms of your debt early on may help avoid a financial disaster later on, McClary said. All right. And all right. Uh, if you don't pay your account as agreed, 
that can have certain consequences. If your account is 30 days past due, right, you'll right, incur a fee. Yes, yes, fees and positive right, higher interest rate as well. What makes it more difficult, right? You have to get back on track because now that your interest rate is higher, you got to pay more in interest, right? Remember your minimum payment or the payment you make and initially goes or satisfies interest first, then goes towards the principal. All right, all right. Once the bill is 60 days past due, right? Creditor is going to report it right to the credit bureau. Your credit score will likely be reduced, which you make it difficult to get the best rates on future loans or lines of credit. McClary noted, yeah, see, this is where it's like, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. Really, once you get a house, oh, it's my bad, my bad, y'all, for those watching. Once you get a house, you really don't need your credit score for anything. Don't recommend continue going to credit card, uh, credit card debt at all. Don't do that. If you have a car loan, pay it off. Never get a car loan again. Don't do student loans. Don't do personal loans. If you have medical debt, usually don't you don't need a credit score for that. You'll just get, just get charged to you. If you can't pay for it, then they're when you leave the hospital when you know, when your insurance comes through. Yada yada yada. Um, don't do payday loans. Don't do home equity loans. Don't do HELOCs, line of credit. Uh, I mean, once you have once you have your mortgage, what do you need your credit score for? Not much, right? Okay. All right. Conversation people don't want to have. Like once you get your house, like you really don't need your credit score again. All right. Um, so in this case, right, about your credit score getting dinged because you're 60 days past due, it's not that big of a deal. Your credit score, I mean, the benefit of the credit score is you can fix it, right? Now, missing the minimum payment, that is the worst one to do because it is your on-time payment history is worth the most from a percentage standpoint of your credit card. And it's also the hardest one to get back because once you miss a payment, you can't like unmiss it, right? Now you're, you know, instead of being 12 for 12 in a year, now you're missing in January, now you're 12 for 13, right? So you can't like get that back. Versus you, your utilization, you can be maxed out, right? 100%. You shoot 110%, you can have interest on it. Then you just pay it all off and be at 0% the next time they report, right? Utilization is extremely easy to fix. I believe it's probably easiest out of everything on them to fix. All right, your credit score. Okay, yeah, okay. Last thing, last two paragraphs, sentences. Okay, once it's right, 90 days past due. Yeah, the creditor usually sends the bill right to collections, like I said, and your account may be closed. I think it's more when I'm saying creditor, talking about car loan here. Right, but the longer you wait without taking action, the worse your circumstances may get. Yes, as I said, contact them immediately. As soon as your job tells you, hey, we're about to get you up out of here, you need to call your finance institution, your creditor, your electric company, et cetera, the people that you pay money to on a monthly basis. Contacting a nonprofit credit counseling agency for advice may also help connect uh, may also help connect you with a financial professional who can explain your options, McCleary said. All right, this uh, let let me see what this link takes to. Let's see if it costs money on here for this nonprofit agency. Got a one eight hundred number. How it works? Okay, got people who certify. Maybe this is something I should look into and get this certification. NFCC. I wonder how much money it costs. National Foundation for Credit Card Counseling. How much is? Hmm. It's a legitimate company. It says it's a nonprofit. It's 501c3. Regardless, though, all right. As this article said, what is it? Emergency savings drops and credit card debt rising. Ugly stew is brewing. They didn't really say what the ugly stew was. All right. Warren's advocate. Let's see where stew is at. Um, okay, stew is in here again. 
right? An ugly stew is brewing as people buckle up under the pressure of inflation. Yeah, okay, cool. Again, necessities, debt payments, investment, lifestyle. If you're struggling from a debt standpoint, um, you need to cut out things that you can no longer do. That, that's why I always say necessities, debt payments, investments, lifestyle. You make your necessities first. You pay those first. Then your debt payments, and that's it. Cut out them. You know, people hate to cut out their 401k, but if you're struggling to pay for your necessities and your debt payments, you can't afford to invest. That's where it's going to get, get kind of confusing. If you don't have enough money to pay for groceries or you're at risk of going into um, foreclosure, delinquency, getting behind on payments, usually the, the easiest way to get your money back into your budget is by stopping investing because that money's already going out. Now, you can also obviously just, you know, pick up a part-time job, you know, Uber, DoorDash, things like that. We can just go and make some money real quick to cre create a buffer or some margin from that standpoint inside of your budget. But, you know, if you're getting, you know, to the point where you're behind on things and you're still investing, you got to stop investing because you got to get caught up. Because once you get into that delinquency standpoint or collections, now you're at risk of losing things. You don't want to get your car repoed. And you're choosing the option of making sure your car doesn't get repoed versus, you know, investing or making sure your house doesn't get foreclosed on. Definitely don't do that because I've said this. I got to get this. When am I going to get the soundboard? I've already said before I need to get the soundboard, but I've already said this before. It's one thing to say, hey, invest, you know, while you're paying off your debt. It's another for people to choose to invest, shout out to the 401k, and then liquidate that invested investment before they want to, shout out to the 401k loan. It's like, don't put money into your 401k just to take it out in a couple of years for a home loan. Just save that money. Why would you want to open yourself up to the rules or restrictions or penalties that come along with the 401k loan? Why wouldn't you just decrease however, however much you want to invest say you want to invest a hundred dollars right or you're gonna you know what it prorates out to when you take that withdrawal from your 401k just reduce your 401k investment by that hundred dollars and save it on your own well why don't why don't why don't people say these things <laughs> why don't people and it's it been different if it's like or people using 401k loans for like you know significant emergencies a house some of y'all treat a house like it's an emergency but like a house is a very planned event like you kind of know that you want a house like your whole life is like on the same thing as like marriage and kids you kind of know if you do or don't want to be a homeowner it's not like oh i want to buy a house you know tomorrow that's not how it works now they tell you hey put this money in your 401k yes you get the tax deduction you know yada yada man but not if you're doing a Roth. that's the thing if you're doing a Roth 401k if you're doing a Roth 401k just take that money and you know uh, put into the savings uh, savings account because the Roth 401k doesn't get you the deduction because it's post-tax money that you're putting in. Now, obviously, you know, this is quote unquote, anything that's above your match, right? So you got to put in 5% to get your 4% match and you're putting in, let's say 10%, take out that 5% and invest it. Now, if you're in a situation where you're just doing enough to get your match, right? And you're choosing to take from that for your 401k loan, that's one thing. But like, my goodness, you know, Saving is important. It's extremely important. I'm talking about like an emergency fund standpoint here. But first, you have to get caught up on your bills. That's why the budget is first. You have to see, you know, you have to see how much money you're making. 
your income, see how much money you're spending, your outgo, your expenses, your expenses, and then get a landscape, right? Look at your statements and see where your bills, like your actual current financial situation is before you even make the decision. Well, should I invest while paying off debt or should I do this X, Y, and Z? First, you just have to assess where you're currently at. And that involves your income, that involves your expenses. And then based off of your debt payments, that involves uh, if you're caught up on things or not, if you're behind, you know, whatever, whatever situation may be. But by doing your budget, you're going to be able to assess if you can pay for your necessities. And after you pay for those, if you can make your debt payments. And after you do that, based off of how you define how you want to handle debt and handle it that way, then you can talk about your wealth building, your legacy, your, inve um, your investing, your vacations, your lifestyle, things like that. But first thing you got to do is get your necessities and debt payments in order. Before you even talk about investing, do not talk about lifestyle at all. We're not talking about that. But, you know, for in this situation where it's talking about, you know, the more extreme case, even though it's saying 50 percent of people, I think we're behind or something like what was that? 50 percent on their credit card debt What was it 51 percent or 51 percent something. 51% said they had uh, more emergency savings than credit card debt. So if you're in that 49% where you have more credit card debt than savings, my goodness, you got you got to you got to pay down the debt. Because always remember, people's main issue isn't how much debt they have or how much income they have, how much their expenses are. It's a combination of the fact that their margin on a monthly basis is low. So they don't have any money to save. And since they don't have any money to save, they don't have any money to pull from their savings to prevent them from going into credit card debt. And since they have credit card debt slash more debt payments, they have less money to invest. And then, you know, it's a cycle that keeps repeating itself. So to get out that cycle, get out here, get got to get out here and get that back. Increase your income so you can start. But don't increase your lifestyle and start paying down that debt. If you have a lot of debt payments in your budget and you're struggling financially, it's because you have all those debt payments in your budget. It's not because you need to make more money. You do need to make more money. Do not get me wrong. Go out here and get this bag. But you need to manage the money you currently have first. And by managing, I mean, get on a budget, figure out a plan that works for you to get out of debt, and then go increase that money. Because the last thing you want to do is go and get 100000 150 200K plus and have those type of debt problems. Because you can't get to a point where it's like, yeah, you, you, it's not about you making more money. You just have a whole bunch of debt, i.e. any of anybody who has student loans in the hundreds of thousands of dollars situation, lawyers, doctors, et cetera, they have a great income, but their income to their debt is a one-to-one -one ratio. And you're in a situation where you can't, you don't be like, oh yeah, I make, you know, $500,000 a year. I'm a dentist. And you know, you have $300,000 in debt. It's like, yeah, you're not just about to make quote unquote more money, right? You can, but you know, you, you have a too much debt issue. You don't have an income issue at $500,000, right? You have too much damn debt. So you don't want to get in that situation. If you're in a situation where you make $50,000 and you have $50,000 in debt, that's great because we know you, we can still scale your income. You have a lot of room to grow from an income standpoint, maybe not in your field, but in general, you can make a whole bunch more money than $50,000, right? But if you have 500K, not really the same situation. You can listen to those people who got student loans, doctors, lawyers, things like that. And they got over, you know, over a quarter million in student loans, but their income is also more than a quarter million as well. But it's like, dang, your debt payoff is still like three years, ain't it? And you got $500,000, you know, their, their interest alone is, you know, five racks. My goodness, they got to make they got to make two payments so they can actually hit the principal. My goodness. But all right, y'all, that's it. Locked and loaded again. Make sure I hit that like button, share and subscribe for the YouTube algorithm. Again, 
I'm Sila underscore Corey. My co-host Jordan is Stop Stalling Jay. Then his business page is finally fit06 on Instagram. You can follow Jordan and myself personally on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Shout out to, shout out to TikTok. I don't know if TikTok is still going to be here. I guess I got to stop working on stop saying that. Shout, I don't know if TikTok is still going to be here, right? But if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can always reach out to us, DMs, comments, anything like that. If you have something you want uh, us to discuss, just shoot us a message as well, and we will queue it up for you. But you guys got to get out here and get on a budget. Everyone keeps saying, right, the recession is here. You know, I believe the National Bureau of Economic Research hasn't declared it yet, but we know we've already had uh, two consecutive quarters of decrease in GDP. But, you know, if things continue to get worse, quote unquote, shout out to BRICS, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South, South Africa, and more and more countries now. If things continue to get worse from an economic standpoint, you want to have less debt. And I've, you know, we've been harping on this for almost two years now, but it's like, we've been told y'all to pay off your debt, increase your income and increase your savings and start investing. But let's say things haven't really got as bad yet. If there was ever a time, like, you know, yesterday was the best day. Today is the second best day. You know, this is the third option where like yesterday, you know, it was two days ago now. It's like, okay, we're a week behind. You got to start putting yourself in a better financial situation right now. You have to, because if things do quote unquote get worse, not a prediction here, but it's saying if we have more economic turmoil, your debt payments are going to destroy you. Shout out to the student loans. And I believe the student, whenever the student loans start back up, that'll probably be what kicks it off if people are, you know, waiting on it. But once these student loan payments start back up, which they will, because they're not forgiving all the student loan debt. Remember, your student loan payments will start back up because they're not trying to forgive all of it. They're just trying to forgive like 400, 500 billion. When the student loan payments start back up, it's going to be a problem for a, a large amount of people. And that's going to be even more of a problem if they don't for, you know, get the 10 to 20K what they're fighting for in forgiveness. If they get that, okay, because I believe almost 20 million people have their student loans completely forgiven. Even though those people are struggling right now and they don't have the payments, that's why it's going to get real messy. Remember, mo these 40 million people, they don't have no student loan payments. And 40 million you know, adults, that's, that's a, a good part of the adult population. And they don't have any student loan payments right now. People are still struggling without them. So you add those back into their budget. And then you adjust for inflation, which we've been having. Scary hours. All right, y'all. That's it. Again, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can reach out to us. But y'all know how I'm going to end it. And I got I got to I gotta figure out how I'm going to queue up these, um, these articles. Some of them sort of touch on the same topics. So I think the next one I might do is related to like retirement investing more about how people don't have any money before I get to some more like just other general topics, but you guys will see that as it gets dropped. But all right, y'all remember to save more and say less, keep making better your best. And I will catch y'all in the next one.